Liverpool One Church. It is so great to see you with us for church online today. And wherever you are joining us from, can I just say this to start off with? Um, greetings from not only the European champions, not only the World Super Cup champions, but now greetings from the city land of the English Premier League champions, Liverpool Football Club. I know right now that if we were meeting in person, this undoubtedly would have been the day when all of us LFC fans would have been wearing red and the blue fans would have probably have stayed at home. But listen, no matter what football team you support, uh, we just want you to know that if it's not Liverpool, we're praying for you. And we're really believing that God would move on your heart throughout the duration of this talk today. But um, seriously, we're missing everyone. We wish that we could be doing church together. We wish that we were in a position to, by as a result of the government guidelines, being able to open up and many people are like DMing and emailing and asking us that question like, hey, seriously, when can we meet again? When can we come back in person? And the truth is like, honestly, we want to. We're desperate to do it. But right now, the government guidelines are simply this, that if we're gonna meet, then there's zero singing. And if we're gonna meet, it should be around about 30 people. And if it's gonna be more than that, then you've gotta be seated in your bubble and you've gotta be two meters away from everybody else and no kids work. And honestly, it just feels to us like a church of our size. It's just not where we're at right now. We couldn't accommodate that and facilitate it well. So what we're gonna be doing is for July and August, we're gonna be continually reviewing that, but we are going to stay doing church online. And you know what? I get to introduce to you the first installment of a brand new series that we're going to be talking about today that I really believe is going to speak into all of our lives. But before we do that, let's just pray for a minute because the last thing you need is just some other talk from me kind of spilling out from our platform into your living room. What you need is the same thing that I am desperate for. It's like, I want a word from God. I want to leave church online today, feeling and sensing and knowing like God has just deposited something within the depth of my spirit and the depth of my heart. So let's pray. Father, we ask that today that you would take these ordinary and regular words and that you would breathe your life on them. Lord, that you would somehow speak to people and families in places now that we could never even have hoped of or dreamed of or imagined of just a few months ago. But Lord, as we deal with this pandemic, Lord, we understand that we still get to do church under the one name of Jesus, even when we're not under one roof. So Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to hear from you today, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks so much, guys. Love you. Appreciate you so incredibly much. So I'm going to start off with a bit of a confession to make. Um, I don't want you emailing me about this. I don't want you texting me. I don't want you DMing me behind Instagram, but I'm just going to like share something with you. I'm going to confess to you, right? When I was a kid, I absolutely hated going to church. I mean, I detested it. And my dad was really not into it at all. And my mum was, and she would like drag me and my two brothers and we'd be forced to go to church and we would try our best to get out of it. We would try and run away. We would try and stay over at our friend's house. We would join football teams. So we weren't available to come to church on a Sunday. It felt to us like we do not want to be doing church. And what's funny is it wasn't really a church like we're building right now, but one of the reasons why 
we do build church and do it the way that we're currently doing it is because we want your family, your children, your teenagers to absolutely love coming to church. Because when I was young, I hated it. Like, honestly, I would do anything I could to get out of it. But there's one good thing that I can say was deposited within me as a result of going to church. And maybe you were the same. Maybe you sang songs at Sunday school. Or maybe even you went to a school where you would do assembly and you would sing songs every day of the week. One of those songs that I was taught was a song called, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. Now, I like to take advantage and use any opportunity I get to share with you all my dulcet tones, right? But the reality is, is that that song went like this. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. All ten of us got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. I love you tech people. You make me feel good. I appreciate you just kind of joining along. But, but that was the song, right? And I guess that from a young age, what it taught me was this. Like, God can do anything because he holds the whole world in his hands. It's the sun and the moon, it's me and you, and I can't remember all of the verses. We should have got the band to play it, actually. They'd have done a far better job. But we would have this idea planted within us, like God could really do incredible things, and that we should have faith and put our trust in God. Why? Because he would hold the whole world in his hands. But as you grow older and you experience a little bit more of life, If you're anything like me, chances are you will know and live and feel today when, feel like when things just don't go according to plan. And the more negative and adverse effects you experience that life has in store for you, the more difficult it makes for you to continue believing that God still has the whole world in his hands. I mean, it only takes you to go to some kind of job situation, redundancy looms, or your pay starts to decrease, especially in this time and season with COVID-19 and furlough and the whole prognosis around the economy. Is it going to dip on a U-shape? Is it a V-shape? And there's so much uncertainty that exists in our world today. And the more negativity that's around us, it can make it harder for us to continue to believe that God still has the whole world in his hands. It only takes someone who you love to get sick, right? And when they get sick and get given a diagnosis, it makes you go like, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Are you sure you still hold the world in your hand? Because as far as you're concerned, your friend or your relative that's got sick, they're a great person and they don't deserve to be ill. I mean, they're wonderful, they're kind-hearted, they're generous, they're authentic, and you can't fathom it out. Like, why is this happening to them? Some of you know what it's like to go through relational difficulties. Maybe the the marriage just didn't work out. And you know what? It's not really your fault. It's not really their fault. It's just the circumstances. But things didn't work out. And the more negative and adverse things that you experience in life, the harder it is to continue to believe that God really does still hold the whole world in his hands. A number of years ago, in fact, I've been there twice now. I traveled out to Poland and I was really keen to go and visit the Auschwitz concentration camp where thousands and thousands of Jewish people had their lives taken away from them. On the second time that I went, I went with a local tour guide. He knew like all of the cool places that you could kind of get in and see and just kind of have this 
inundation of like history being presented at you that wasn't typically ordinarily available to everybody. And we drove to the back end of this camp and I can remember being right beside the ruins of the gas chambers and as far as your eyes can see from the left and to the right, it is so vast, the size and scale of the destruction that happened at that place. I stood at the back of Auschwitz and thought, God, where were you? Have you really got the whole world in your hands? And I think that it's not only at places like Auschwitz that we experience that. Even today, when we consider what's happening with the pandemic, pandemic, pandemic in our world, it's easy for us to say like, God, where are you? Do you really still hold the whole world in the palm of your hand? You know, right now, recently, you only have to have had a quick look at, to see what's happening around the news about all the racial tension that exists, even in our world today. And this isn't an American thing. This is our world. You read the news reports of what's happened to Ahmed Armory. You read the news reports and you watch the videos about George Floyd and it breaks your heart because you know it's wrong. I'm like, this shouldn't be happening. It's 2020. This should have been long and dealt with hundreds of years before and yet we still see all of this wrongdoing still happen. And it's easy when you consider the racial tension to maybe say like, God, do you still hold the world in the palm of your hands? And then being from Liverpool, let's be honest, we understand the, the culture and the context of our city. Most of our wealth was based on the transatlantic slave trade. I mean, thousands of black people were transported to the Americas via Liverpool. And what's crazy to me is that those slave masters who would work and deploy slaves on a Monday would also be in church on a Sunday. And I go, God, how does that even happen? Like, were you holding the whole world in your hand then? And this is a tension that we've all got to manage. And the more you experience in life that's negative, it affects your faith and it affects the way you trust in God. Because the more adverse things you experience, the more you question, like, God, are you even real? God, do you really exist? And have you really still got the whole world in your hand? There is a Jewish celebration that takes place annually and it's called Passover. And Passover, and I won't kind of go into all of the history, but it's rooted in this idea of great celebration as a result of a liberation that happened to the people of Israel. They'd been enslaved within Egypt for in excess of 400 years and they experienced hardship. It was brutal. But then God raised up a leader called Moses and Moses was the guy who stood before Pharaoh and demanded that he would let my people go. And now as a result, every year, Jewish families all around the globe will annually gather to celebrate this liberation, this day where they came free of all the slavery that was rooted in Egypt. But what's interesting is that 1400 years later, after the very first Passover, what you find is Jesus was celebrating Passover with all of his disciples. One night they'd snuck through Jerusalem, the city they couldn't face going through during the daylight because circumstances had started to change for them. 
Things had gotten so aggressive towards them. Now there were clusters of people who wanted Jesus arrested. Everything had started to get so uncertain for them. They were nervous, they were anxious, they were fearful of the unknown, and they were uncertain about the future. So they sneak into this upper room, the New Testament refers to it. And what happens is that there is this conversation that happens that honestly is just really strange and peculiar. Because Jesus, for the very first time, starts to talk in a way that he's never spoken about before. He starts to talk about things in, in a way that he's never spoken about previously. And Judas is, of course, round the table and he's acting a little sheepish. He's acting a little weird. Everyone's going like, what's the matter with Judas? He's being really strange. And what gets even more strange is the conversation when Jesus starts to speak. So in Mark 14, we're going to go and recount this conversation that happens when everything, all of a sudden, had got really uncertain for Jesus and these disciples. When the evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And what you've got to know about Jesus is this. When Jesus speaks, everybody listens. Because the reality is, is he hadn't really been wrong before. So now Jesus is speaking, he's got everyone's attention. He goes on and says, one who is eating with me. They were saddened and one by one they said to him, surely you don't mean me? Like, come on, Jesus, like, I get it. Someone might do, but it's not me though, right? But what's funny is that nobody kicked back on the idea. Nobody kind of said, Jesus, you're wrong. That will never happen. And that really gives credence to the fact that things had started to become so uncertain for them. It was like all of their previous momentum had now stopped. I mean, it used to be that they traveled from city to city and they had a mass gathering and a following. And a lot of people really loved Jesus. But what happened now was all the critics' voice had started to rise up. They're not even questioning what Jesus is saying. They're almost becoming aware to the fact that this is probably going to happen. All they start to say is like, is this me? And the timing and the season for them in this season felt like the end was nearing. It felt to them like nothing was ever going to be the same. Felt like everything was about to change. I think that that's something we can all relate to in this COVID-19 season. It feels to us like, is it ever going to get back to normal? Is this ever going to get better? Like, when are we even going to be able to meet again as a church? When are we going to be able to go to the shops? without having to wear a mask. When are we going to be able to? And the list goes on and on. Verse 20, it is one of the 12, Jesus replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. You know what's fascinating to me about this story and actually pretty much every story that we can find within Scripture is if I were to ask you right now, think of your favorite Bible story. Think of your favorite Bible character. Think of your favorite Psalm. Think of your favorite proverb. Chances are that the story that you would say, that's the one I love, it's the story that contains the most uncertainty in it. Because the stories that we love and the stories that we read about, the writers of the Psalms, they would often be recounting times of immense uncertainty. Times and seasons when there was just so much of the unknown that was going on around them. And we make this mistake. We think that the scriptures, all of these ancient documents that were compiled together and now formulated within one book that we know as the Bible, we think that the authors were like, 
rich families who had perfect 2.4 children. Everybody studied at Oxford or Cambridge and everybody rode horses and went on jet skis on the weekend. That's who we think wrote the Bible, but actually it's not the case at all. The authors did not have perfect lives at all. They knew exactly what it was like to live in and amongst, at times immeasurable uncertainty and great unknowns. And yet they discovered, they discovered that in the midst of uncertainty, that God could still be trusted. They discovered that in the midst of the unknown, that God really did still hold the world in his hands. And we could review many stories from scripture that would relate to us right now. When you think about COVID, when you think about the potential for unemployment being on the rise, when you think about the potential consequences to our economy. I mean, we know now exactly what it's like to live in uncertain times. And yet the Bible is full of people who knew and experienced that exact same thing too. Think about Joseph from the book of Genesis. He was the guy whose own family turned against him. Imagine being Joseph, right? Thrown into the base of a pit and still being able to hear your own brothers argue over what the outcome would be for you. Are we gonna kill him? I think we should sell him. No, I think we should murder him. No, I think we should sell him as a slave and make money from him. Can you imagine experiencing that? And yet what we find is God was still with Joseph. We could talk about David. Now, let me just say this to all you parents right now. With all the kids out of school for the summer holiday, you might think you've got issues with your kids. Well, David had a son that tried to stab him in the back, created his own army and pursued the kingdom and tried to take it away from him. And yet, what do we find? In the midst of all the uncertainty and all of the unknown, God was still with David. We could talk about the mother who had an incredible dilemma to solve. What did she do with her new, brand new baby boy? Did she risk it and put him in a weave basket and send him down the Nile and let him run the risk of being eaten by a crocodile? Or did she keep him with her and hope that Egypt's butchers would not get their hands on him? And what do we know? Well, God was with Moses. We could even talk about Jesus and there are, we could talk about Paul. There are many stories that we could all talk about but my point is, is that scripture is full of people who knew exactly what it was like to live in uncertain and unknown times. Times when they would often ask in their own way, like, God, do you really still hold the world in your hands? Is this still happening today? Even when it feels like all the momentum is drifting away from us, even when it feels like, you know, there's a bunch of people now trying to arrest Jesus and take him away, even though everything's working against us, are you still with us? But let's jump back into the conversation because it goes on. Verse 22, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. And now, during this incredibly uncertain time, what we find is Jesus initiates the first celebration that's gonna take place around the world 
for hundreds and thousands of years to come. Even we participate in the breaking of bread and in the sharing of wine. I mean, what's kind of crazy is this, is during the time where for the disciples, even though they couldn't really see it, during the time where everything was so uncertain and so unknown, and they had no idea how this was gonna pan out, it was like God was at work with his biggest and greatest masterpiece of work. It's like he was preparing a masterstroke. But again, everything's uncertain. It feels strange. It feels weird. feels like we're going backwards and not forwards. At least that's how the disciples would have felt. And then the conversation gets worse. Verse 27, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. You know, and what's crazy is this, is that Peter then starts to speak up. He goes like, even if I fall, even if all fall away, I will not. And the crazy thing is, it's kind of like they missed the entire point of what Jesus had just said. He just told them that he was gonna rise from the dead and they completely went right past it. Where verse 29 tells us that Peter just moves on. He declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Jesus had said, look, just so you know, guys, I'm going to rise from the dead. And they didn't even grasp it. Why? Because during uncertain times, you can easily miss what is actually most obvious and right in front of you. During uncertain times, when everything around you circumstantially feels bad and hard, it's difficult, right, to even find the smallest molecule of good. And these guys, they missed it all. And that's what happens when everything is uncertain. You start to miss what God is doing. It feels like where you are now is such a long way from what would be the best for you. So as we move into this series, has he still got the whole world in his hands? I wanna try and attempt to encourage you to believe that even in spite of COVID, that even in spite of what's going on with maybe your job situation, even in spite of furlough, even in spite of looming redundancies for some, even in spite of the frustration of feeling like we've had some of our liberties removed from us, I wanna encourage you to know and believe again, like maybe for the first time, that he really does hold the world in the palm of his hands. Because here is the question, that you've really got to answer. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what you've got to be able to bottom off. This is what you've got to be able to figure out. Can you really maintain faith in God when there's no evidence of his activity in your life? Like, can you really keep on trusting and holding faith in God when you can't see him moving anywhere? Like, can you really still trust and believe that God is good even when everything circumstantially around you feels like your world is being rocked? Because that's what these guys had to figure out. And there's another dilemma for us living in Liverpool or living in England, living in the West. And that's because what we often mistakenly do is we associate God's blessing and God's presence with stuff. Because we live in a wealthy nation, a wealthy part of our nation. We live in a wealthy part of the world. So what we think is that God's with us if we get the job, or God's with us or blessing us if you get the pay rise, or God's with us 
if you get picked to go on the team or God's with us and he's for us if you get the girl or you get the guy or you're getting married or you get the new house and we start to equate God's blessing and presence with materialistic things and that's not how God works at all because here's the thing if you were to ever stop and ask the disciples when did you experience your darkest moments when you questioned the most? I think they would have said it was around the table where they snuck into Jerusalem under the cover of darkness and Jesus started to have all of these strange conversations with them. I think they would have recounted that night. If you'd have said to the disciples, when did you feel like God was not near and God was far away? Maybe it would have been just a few days after when they saw Jesus hanging on the cross. Maybe for Peter, it would have been when he denied him and did the thing that Jesus said he would do that he swore he never would. Maybe we'd have to look at the times when the disciples felt like God was most inactive was around this time and around this season. And yet, crazy thing is this, with hindsight, with time, if you were to go back to those same early followers and disciples of Jesus and now say, hey, when do you think that God was really most active and doing His most beautiful and most wonderful and most creative masterpiece of work ever in creation? You know what I think that they would say? I think that they would say it happened around the table when Jesus started to speak in this strange way, talking about these subject matters that not everybody grasped. I think they would also say that He was most active during the time and the season when Jesus' body was on the cross. Maybe Peter would have said that He was most active, doing only the wondrous things that our God can do during the times when He felt far away denying Jesus. Maybe the time and the season when they naturally would have assumed that God was furthest away, He was actually found to be most close. And why? Because they were learning that God really does hold the whole world in His hands when you can see His hand moving and when you can't. What these early disciples had to learn was this. When you can't see God's hand moving, you always have to stay faithful to trusting in His heart. If you can't see evidence of God working in your life, it doesn't mean that He's not working in your life. If you can't see God moving through COVID and through redundancies and through the looming threat of an economy situation, if you can't see that moving in His hand, then trust in His heart. When it seemed like God was most inactive in the darkest place. He was most active. And I think that that's a difficult message for us all to grasp the significance of. But the truth is that God does His most significant work during times when we don't think He's working at all. That's how you know that He still holds the world in His hands. So I guess that my request of every single one of us that calls Liverpool One Church our home church as we kick off this series for a few weeks is I'm asking you to look at your life differently. 
I'm asking you to think about the circumstances and the negativity and the adverse things that may be happening around you and to not be dismissive of them, thinking that because that's happening, that that means God's not on the move. Because just because God's not moving in terms of what you can see, it doesn't mean that He's not moving. Sometimes because we feel like God's not moving on the platform of our lives, we forget that He's just working behind the scenes. And my request is in spite of COVID and in spite of finances and in spite of whatever you're dealing with on a health level and in spite of what you're going through in your marriage and in spite of everything that you're fighting as a parent to get right with your son or your daughter and they're pushing against you and they're fighting you and in spite of everything that's worrying you and concerning you, my prayer, my request is that you would be in faith that He does hold the world in His hand and that God really does do His most beautiful pieces of work often in the dark. And that's what we're gonna close today by praying that we would be able to trust in His heart when we don't see His hand because sometimes only time will tell. Sometimes, guys, we've just got to give God a bit more time and then don't be surprised at the incredible and wonderful and miraculous things you truly can do in your life and in mine. So guys, let's pray.